A hearty thanks to our latest patron, Koala Bear. Thank you so much for your support of the show. If you're listening and want to support Phantology, you can do so by checking out the links in our episode description. Now on to the episode. Coming up. Readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home Sympathy. Harness Sayadar and Sayadeen. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. What's up, Soldam and Damani? This is Steven, your host with Phantology Podcast, with my lifelong friends, Jake and Josh, here to talk about Wheel of Time TV show season two, episodes six and seven. So up until, you know, right before the finale, which is coming out later this week, uh, as we are recording here now. So uh, what's up, guys? What are we thinking of season two of the show at this point? I mean, we're just going to focus on episodes six and seven, but... Just overall feelings so far. How are you feeling? About the same, I think, as a start. I think uh, episode five was an uptick in quality for sure. And then I think six and seven kind of maintained that. So when you say start, you're referring to a a previous opinion that you have yeah. voiced? Yeah. I don't want to cause a, a, a classic Jake and Josh mess around. Uh, but uh, I'd say overall, the series is like a six and a half, seven out of 10 for oh, me. That, that's good. Yeah, that's. I mean, I might rate it a little bit higher, but that's like a D plus, C, C minus. Wait, that's not that's not how ratings work, but okay. Well, I mean, if it's like American (laughs) grade school, it would be, but I don't know. Rating systems are hard, right? It's like whose lines it anyways. None of the numbers really matter. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) I yeah I I so well then what would be like an F? Like what would be a five? Like I think if you're just giving that like a D plus, then like. Well, I think like a a five, anything below a five is like a chore to have to watch. Okay. And part, I feel like parts of I, the real I feel time like, feel, I feel like, that way. I feel so. like zero, one through four then are just like meaningless. Jake's or scale needs five. more letters below. Yeah, F. maybe, maybe it does. Um, okay. Above, above failing is I have to be convinced to watch it. And then there's varying degrees of how, like how painful it is to okay. have to watch it. Right. Know? Right. Okay. Whereas like six through 10 is. I'm watching on my own and there's varying degrees of how much I'm okay. enjoying. Watching All right. Yeah, that's own. fair enough. Yeah. That's pretty much how I, that's pretty much how it breaks down for me too. I think if it's above a six, it means like I I'm enjoying it. Like a five to six is like, I don't know how I feel about it, but maybe I'll keep watching. And then like, so what's your out of 10, Josh? <laughs> I think I'm more like a 7.5 for the season as a whole. Like Which there's translates definitely... into what letter grade. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think that, what is it uh i think <laughs> thing i wish i knew the harry potter uh owls other than troll and o's oh yeah there's o e something than Exceed, troll yeah. right there's yeah there's exceeds expectations s satisfactory satisfactory yeah and then troll no there's there's, there's acceptable something. acceptable is the thing i think it's a not. yeah so no a s is. just a no, I think I think, I think it's both. satisfactory, Wait. not acceptable. T T is for troll, and that is, is a for legit troll. thing. T is for troll yeah. for sure. Yes, that is true. We're not going to fight yeah. you on troll. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. I, regardless, they don't even use letter grades like that anymore. I just had my first parent teacher conference for my uh, six year old in kindergarten and he got threes on everything, which I, I had to be reminded that that's like a thing. Like the teacher didn't really do a preface for it. I didn't have letter grades like that, or at least A through F until probably fifth grade, I think. Mm. Did you guys have letter grades when you're in? Yeah, we no, had they a, had like report card slips that were all written out and everything. You had to get them signed by your parent, bring them back. We had report cards, not at kindergarten, but not that they had to get signed, but ours were O's and S's actually for, it was O Ooh. or S, I think was the, okay. and then there was the the N, I think, needs improvement. You, uh, you start off in a school with a bunch of like people wearing pointy hats and robes and. Yeah, I think. <laughs> Dang man, uh, missed opportunity. <laughs> all right. Well, before we turn this into Harry Potter podcast, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. sure. I, I think I think episode five and six were really, really good. I think episode six was exceptional. I think that that was like legitimately probably one of the best TV episodes I'm probably going to see all year. Yeah, yeah. Like it was, Sorry. it was yeah. really good TV. Episode seven, I think, was my least favorite of this se- season so far. Just as like a spoiler for what we're going to be talking about. Dang, the whole season. And, I, I think I misspoke earlier. Six was the uptick in quality, right? I don't remember what happened in five. Six but... was the Damani episode, yeah. 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 Well, it was mm-hmm. called something else because episode five was called Damani. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was. The, the... names The names are not getting a passing yeah. grade. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I was just big trying to clarify yeah. that because I confuse them. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. But seven, you thought seven was one of the worst so far. Yeah. Uh... So I, yeah, but I really enjoyed the White Tower stuff in the beginning. I thought that like the arches were really, really cool. So I, I enjoyed those aspects of the first couple episodes. Maybe episode four, maybe episode four is the worst one because I still can't, Stephen had to remind me when we recorded our last review for four and five, what happened in episode four. And I wasn't that high on it now, or I wasn't as high on it then. So maybe mm-hmm. four and seven are tied for the, my least favorite. Not that seven was bad. It was just kind of slow. And didn't really do a lot. It was just, it really just felt like they were just arduously moving pieces around on the, on the board to get people where they needed to go. I kind of feel like seven maintained some of the momentum from six, definitely some weak parts. I think it was a stronger episode for Lan, even though I felt like it was kind of forced and clunky, but he at least he got to do some stuff. Yeah. That's forced and clunky, but needed desperately. He needed to do something. (laughs) Yeah, it was fine, but it didn't redeem the. It didn't redeem the Rocky. My least favorite story. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't redeem him. I mean, I'm glad it's. It's like, oh, I'm glad this is over now. (laughs) Like, that's that's how I felt about it. It It's like, oh, I'm glad that my least favorite storyline has like come to completion and we can move on past it. Yeah, I have. I just have. I mean, I don't know when we want to dive into this, but I have like thoughts. Like questions as to like what the overall goals of characters are, you know, and like, and more so what are the writer's goals for these characters? I think the writers have done a really good job actually this season, moving characters into at least like plot wise, like where they are at the ending of the great hunt. Well, they're trying to get them to work to the end of the dragon reborn. That's that's really what confuses me. Yeah. But that confuses me. That's what Rafe has said. At least Rafe has said like, for sure, the goal of this season is to get everyone to the end of book three. I know that really confuses me because everybody is just where they are at the ending of the great hunt. So it sounds like they're just skipping most of it sounds like they're skipping most of book, book three. three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, this is full book spoilers, I assume or books uh, two and three. Let's, let's yeah. not go into, we'll, we'll do books two and three. Yeah. But let's not go into like book yeah. four or well, further. Just the overall like plot structure of Nynaeve, Egwene and uh, Elaine's arcs and two and three are similar. 
in terms of like going on their own quest and then it ties back together with everyone else's quest. Mm -hmm. And so I think you could call that combining their plots from two and three a little bit. I mean, they threw in the Black Aja stuff, which was a big part of book three. So I I could see that. I can see Matt's combination as well. Book three is Tenshiko at the end, right? No. Book three is Tyr at the end. Dang, I was thinking uh, that is for the, okay. Yeah. So that could still happen, especially with, okay, yep. Yeah. And then Matt's Matt's storyline, like they're combining some stuff from three, which I think that's fine. I I don't know how much I can criticize Matt's storyline because I don't know how much of it is the hole that they were stuck in with the actor change and everything. I don't know. Um, And then Rand's, it's fine to combine Rand's, I think. I wonder if they're just going to forego Kalendor entirely or if it'll be something later on. Mm. I think we've laid out a bunch of potential threads threads of our own to get into i mean those are those are interesting things what do you want to dive into first yeah i was just thinking i think they they are i think they are combining two and three and i think all the main characters plots follow that pretty much Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i just i just outed myself as not remembering some of the plot of book three but from what i do remember there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of kind of repeated stuff as far as character arcs so we're getting there. It's kind of sad to admit, like potentially not see the Stone of Tear. Yeah. Know? I mean, who knows what will happen later on, but that is a really iconic with Kalendor and the whole battle there and everything. So that'd be a I shame know. if we didn't get it. But at the same time, like it is kind of repeated. So I mean, I don't think it's repeated. It's just a similar, like they're as on a far quest. as there's another, you know, they go on a quest, they're kind of separated, they come together at the end, there's a fight with the you know, forces of evil, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just saying, I zoom think, zoom out, like, to a 10,000 foot, or whatever the saying yeah, is. Yeah, then you could combine books. books one, two, and three together, if you did that. Basically, okay, so, sure. Because those, those are the most, those are the most questy of the series, and then after that, it gets really into, like, mm-hmm. geopolitics and other stuff. Um, but I think, I think book three gets a little bit more hate than it deserves. I think it's, if you look at it on its own, it's like a perfect book in terms of each character's arc and like you get peak start to get peak matt performances there like matt really becomes his own and the the way all the plot lines tie together is done really well and then the the um climax of that book is really exciting and and well done but back to the series josh made the point that he believes the writers have done a good job of getting people where they need to be i kind of feel like there's a lot of meandering in the middle of like it's like obviously everyone's going to end up at Falm, which i always said falma and i'm like trying to get used to saying Falm now yeah so did i yeah i think the audio i think the audiobook says falma and more so i think the the, the uh pronunciation guide the pronunciation guide says yeah, Falma. the official which, resource i mean jake resource. has been on record you've been on record getting after michael kramer and kate uh reading about their yeah pronunciations so I mean, and part of that is the inconsistency there, but, but yeah, Falm, um, I'm going to say Falma, so I can't do it. Yeah. I feel like it's like, obviously everyone's going to go there and they're, I feel like some characters got there too early for other characters in the series. And so they're like, I don't know. It's just Matt's storyline, especially. And then Rand's how he like is about to leave Carrion and then he goes back to Carrion. Then he's about to leave Carrion again. Yeah. And then he's back in Carrion. Like, I feel like they could have, it just didn't have like enough gravitas the whole time. It kind of felt meandering, but 
which is probably why I, I, yeah. I liked episode seven more than you did, where I was like, okay, like things are happening, you know, like That's finally true. stuff is going to happen. But would you have Rand be in Falma, Falma, whatever you want to say it? Would you have him be there any sooner than the end? Like he can't just show up and hang out for an episode. Uh, gotta, I mean, he's, it's got to be a dramatic entrance, yeah. right? I'm really, yeah, I'm trying to separate book events because I feel like the book did a really good job of building towards it. Mm-hmm. But it's like a, it's just a very completely different uh, arc right now. I mean, I, I'll say, I think the issue is the the whole hunt for the horn thing is yeah, that's, pretty much abandoned. Yeah, and that's I, what I think really that's, like drove the momentum of the book story was we know hunt. we've got to get you know <laughs> great hunt. We got to go you know do the yeah. hunt. We got to find the thing that Pen yeah. and Vane stole, and it's a big deal. And that's been like that's not even a thing in the show. It's like mentioned, you know, but yeah, not important. Yeah, they've like leaned into like the Forsaken and then the Sean Chan stuff as being like the central focus. Whereas I think mm-hmm. having the horn would have helped tie things together more where it's like, we're trying to do this. And these are the external forces trying to stop that and building off of it that way. Yeah. Like, are they even, do you guys think they're going to blow the horn? Oh, I think they are for sure. But what's the build up to it? Like we kind of have been told that was important in one scene. It's just a MacGuffin right now. But it's not yeah. even a MacGuffin because nobody even cares about it. They've they yeah. the last time I think it was mentioned was it was episode two or three. I when, mean, when they came. care about it in the sense that Turok said, "With this, we will control the world." Right? So yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah but no, but like it was like four or five when they showed that, right? Which I think yeah. everyone's like, "Oh yeah, that was a thing from episode seven and eight of last I'm sorry, season." I, I think if you're a book reader, you're anxiously awaiting for awaiting it. But I'll have to yeah. I'll have to talk to my non-book reader friends about what they like, if there's any, what they think is going to happen in the last episode. I doubt either of them yeah. are going to say that the horn yeah. comes into play. Yeah. And one of them predicted Balthanus or however you say his name being a dark friend. So like, they're like paying attention to the show. Yeah. But it's not like, I, I don't know. It's just kind of, it's kind of strange. Mm. To me. Yeah. I think they needed something more like that. And I feel like they could have tied Matt to the dagger more than they have with just that vision, you know, oh, like yeah. there could have been, I don't know, the, the lack of like Pat and Fane, like Pat and Fane could have been like, they kind of hinted that they're like, Oh, who nailed that fade to the, to the wall, you know, like, yeah, mm-hmm. they could have like built on that, you know, that could have been such a bigger part. I'm surprised to hear you say you're okay with the way they've done Matt. Cause I feel like he's done nothing the whole season. He's just been in two different rooms. I don't know. I, I don't, I think Matt's storyline is is not great. I just don't know how much I can blame them. I just wonder if the actor didn't change and Matt went with them to the end of season one, if they would have had something better in mind. And this is them trying to like write but over the plot hole that happened. Here's the thing. At the end of, at the beginning of season two, they separated everyone anyway. So I know, Matt, was in, Matt was in yeah. no different situation than any of the other characters in being separated. Yeah, and they could have like, they're like, oh, you're healed from the dagger. They could have been like, oh, we thought you were, but you're feeling this draw towards it or something. And like, something's compelling him to do stuff instead of, he's just been really passive. He hasn't really made, he hasn't really done much himself other than yeah. drink that tea. <laughs> I don't know. I felt like that was a, a a swing and a miss. I'm not, I'm not opposed to it being a tea to do that, especially if you're like something with the one power to unlock the memories as well, or uh-huh. But I just felt like that scene kind of fell flat for me. Do you think do you think that that's replacing the Finn entirely? And that is going to also be the thing with his memories and kind of his 
you no, know, going forward? I hope I don't think it has to be. I hope it's not because he started to get memories and stuff before seeing the Fen. Like he had like holes in his memories, and even in book one, he would he was like closer to his ancestral memories than the others. Like when they first fight mm-hmm. the Trollocs outside of Berlon, he starts like randomly shouting in, in the old tongue, and it's yeah, like general yeah. type stuff. So I don't I don't think that this necessarily has to be a replacement for that for all the Fen stuff. But yeah. a little disappointed they haven't showcased his luck so much in in this season as well. It's, yeah, not not at all, right? I mean, we've seen him gambling, but there's no reason to think that he might be good at gambling. <laughs> well, he won. I think he won the last hand, but then Rand came in and they all took yeah, he, Okay, yeah. Yeah, he was winning, but yeah. then Rand came in. But yeah, no, I do think his, his plot line, his and Lamb's have probably been the worst. Moraine's hasn't been great either. I feel like, oh, wait, Perrin's is also not good. <laughs> I think Egwene's is, Egwene and Nynaeve's have been good. A little slow at parts. I think Nynaeve and Egwene have been great. Better than... I think they've been really good. I think they've had great moments. Like Nynaeve with the arches, that was a great moment. Egwene as Damane has been great. I think the Yellow Sisters, I think Nynaeve with the Yellow Sisters was really good. Nynaeve and Elaine. I think that was great. I think the writing there was too slow for the urgency of what was happening. And also the fact that the Yellow Sister was like, I'm going to fight these people off like and like save... It didn't logically it didn't make sense that an ice that I would be like, I will sacrifice myself for you guys. It would have been like, no, we're all just getting out of here. Like she doesn't really know them. And then also she should have had a way better, like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Contingency plan to die before she could be collared because if she's collared, they can force her to give up other people, which you think is what the, like the, uh shan chan would do they're like mm-hmm. hey tell us where the rest of the shan chan are you know and or the other i said i are and so that i feel like i felt like they spent too much time there where it wasn't suspenseful enough and then i i thought that kind of climax there kind of fumbled but i'm excited where it's going now though which is again why i like episode seven because it felt like things are happening um okay just cutting back in here I really liked episode six. I'm going to say that's my favorite of all of Wheel of Time TV show so far out of 15 episodes. This was my favorite. I think, Josh, that's basically what you said as well. Episode seven was a bit of a step down for me. We can talk about that in a second. But let's talk about what made uh, episode six work, because I mean, sure, we can be, uh, you know, we can be nitpicky on it as well. I mean, I'm, I don't think it's a perfect episode of, of TV, but the whole, you know, thing around Egwene and that that storyline really worked and I think the way that they've had a little bit more time you know five to ten more minutes each episode to really flesh out a full narrative really works and they've tried to do this for every episode kind of centered around one character and and include other characters but make it all about one story and the whole Demane plot line with Egwene totally worked for me I mean the the acting was great the uh the writing was great dare dare I say it I think for the most part I think you know if I want to be critical maybe it's a little heavy-handed like they really 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 wanted to convince you as the watcher that Egwene was awesome and she was you know amazing and standing up to this and and I didn't need to be convinced as hard as they were trying to convince me I think that's my only knock on it but otherwise I really like yeah I thought the Demane part was amazing uh Egwene like showing 
And like coming from a, a reader perspective, like you know how strong Egwene is and like you know that they're trying to showcase that. And I, at the end when she's like at the last moment asking for the water, like I thought that, like I didn't know which way they're going to go with it. Like is she still not going to be broken? But showing mm -hmm. her break like that, I thought that was, that had a lot of uh, weight to it. Um, so that was really cool. Which I, I, in episode- I, I, I don't think she broke. I think she, she more bended. Like she more well, I mean, yeah. I, I think the same extent where she didn't want to, but she did, which is why she cried so hard afterwards because she was sad that she had given in, which is why I, I liked the continuation of that arc in episode yeah. seven where right. she still is giving in, but she's able to say she, she might be, she might say, I'm I'm broken right now, but I'm not going to be broken forever, and I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think, I think a bending is a good, good way to think, but I think at the moment, I don't know if she realized she was bent which is why she was so upset but then seeing her gain back that uh, resolve in episode seven i thought was a really good continuation i think it did a good job of really putting you in her shoes and giving you a, a sense of how dire the situation was the only practical thing she could have done at this point after multiple attempts and failures was kind of yield at least a little bit and then yeah it's nice to see in episode seven that she's maybe giving an inch but still continuing but the, to fight but the yielding it, it's not even as to me it didn't seem like it was as simple as okay i'll yield for now like she literally had to not think of the cup as a weapon like at all so it wasn't yeah. i don't think she in my interpretation mm. of it she couldn't think of i will kill her with this later like that still wouldn't have let her touch it she had to fully say i am like fully convince herself i am not going to attack her with this ever like this i like that isn't a part of my mind to do that, which, which to me, like that, that felt even, even more like heartbreaking to see that journey. But I thought that that was great. I thought it was a phenomenal uh, performance. I thought that, you know, I know you said you didn't like the yellow sisters as much, but I think combining that you, you got to see a whole range of like terribleness from the Sanchen. You got to see how bad they were with Elaine or with Egwene. You got to see how bad they were, like uh, with killing the or with uh, making imprisoning the yellow sister, and mm -hmm. just kind of like overriding her power. You know, like even sh though she was super powerful, they just kind mm -hmm. of came in with overwhelming force and just totally wrecked her. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that everything in Falm that episode was really, really good. And I'm trying to remember what else happened outside of Falm that episode. But I, I just felt like every storyline in that episode had really good momentum and kept it going, and I appreciated yeah. it. Yeah, I felt like things were finally happening. I like the Matt and Men story as much as I'm like don't understand who this Men character is. <laughs> Never met her before in my entire life. Um, I thought that was yeah. I liked the Matt uh, reunion. I liked the the tension there. The only part of that I think I didn't really like was other than the fact that at the end of the day, Ren just stays there. Is when Matt comes in and Men's just drinking by the bed. <laughs> I thought that was a little like heavy-handed but um but I, I like what they're doing there like i that again it was funny like okay matt's doing something with his storyline i mean if if you want to sum up my criticism for the show in one word it'd probably just be i feel like it's too heavy-handed like across the board in a lot of ways yeah i think when i've called it cheesy in the past that's kind of what i'm referring to is like the little overly dramatic at moments mm -hmm. oh one other thing with Egwene and rena i really love how they show that the Shan Chan don't view themselves as like, yeah. as like horrible people. It's like, no, like 
you're confused. You're not a person. That must be hard to think you were a person, but mm-hmm. you're not. And like how Rena, like she doesn't, she's not like, I'm she's not, not trying an to evil be, person. Yeah. I'm not trying to be bad. I'm just like trying to help you through this and like help you realize like how powerful we can be together and how you can be somebody by, you know, like that, like sick, like yeah. misplaced empathy kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it really brings home like the, the argument that we're having a lot just in society in general of like, you know, how should we view, you know, people that are obviously doing horrible things that are, that's considered okay by the, by their culture, you know, yeah. just in, in terms of like, you know, um, founding fathers in America and stuff like, like early American history and what and slavery and everything, you know, like if it's so ingrained in the culture, you know. Yeah. What, what chance do you have to, to recognize the but, but evils at, of it? But at, at some level, like you have a lot of people that did recognize the evils of it at the yeah. time. So, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, if it's obviously not a one-to-one comparison, but I think Robert Jordan did. His books do go to those, like they do explore those type of things and don't really shy away from it. And so, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think it's good that the TV show is bringing that yeah. into, into it as well. Yeah, I feel like this is part of like the most true to Robert Jordan writing so far in the series has been the showcasing these different cultures and how they clash so hard because their values are so drastically different and how they both view themselves as the, like the good guys. Like you see it a lot in the books with the Sean Chan specifically, which I think they're doing a really good job of portraying here. And then with the white cloaks as well, which we got a little bit this season, like Bornhold seemed to be a decent guy. Uh, And to the show's credit, I think it's doing a really good job of distinguishing those things. Like so far, I mean, we have the Sean Chan who have a really big identity we have the Aiel who they've introduced slowly but surely. And, you know, the Jay Till scene from episode seven. That's was, seven, yeah. Was interesting. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we have, I, I, I think that, you know, maybe a little bit just going through Randland is a little bit, you know, they could be doing a better job. But then the, well, they've really just done the Carrion is or car. Well, this season, but last season, like when they, well, yeah, but last season, like when they're running, you know, like everything kind of seemed the same. But and and then the Aes mm-hmm. they do a really good job of having like an Aes culture. So you you we already have like well established in the show like five different cultures that are very you know unique and stand out. And I think that's you know that there's some credit there. Yeah, you could dig further. I mean, there's the Two Rivers culture as well, yeah. which we've kind of left behind. But you know that's the roots of our Emmonsfield five as well. And so they're like yeah. now trying to get out into the world and grapple with all these new cultures and. It's done like a decent job of that. I wouldn't say amazing, but it's it's shown, you know, country bumpkins growing up, which yeah. is a big part of the books. I feel like it's mostly been surface level uh, from my perspective up until the Sean Chan, like the latest Sean Chan episodes. I think the up until like getting into Rena's mind in this uh, episode six and seven, I feel like the Sean Chan mm. have just kind of felt like, okay, here are some other bad guys that are bad. And like, I don't really know. And they look yeah. weird. Right, right. Which is a big part. The looking weird is a big part. I, I, I don't. I disagree with that. I think. I think like when they come and they they take out our dear friend Uno, like that was pretty intense when they made everybody swear. They, the, it was intense, but I, I didn't feel anything towards them other than big bad guy. You know, like like how do they? I don't know. They didn't really have any depth to them other than shock and awe. And plus, like Uno, we knew him. We knew Uno for like what two episodes, like. <laughs> Yeah, that was more shocking for book readers. That, that yeah. like, when he's when he like saunters up there as a book yeah. reader, like, oh, he'll be fine. He'll do something, yeah. some plot armor, and then nope. So, right. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, they do do their little speech of, you know, here we are back to reclaim our homeland yeah. and blah, blah, blah. But I, that does kind of, they didn't really, they haven't really doubled down on that very much. And yeah, I feel like that I think, needs more time to really develop. Yeah. And I've liked how they've shown, they, I mean, again, I feel like it's mostly been surface level, but they are sowing seeds. Like, I'm glad that they showed Surah as a dark friend and how that is different than Turok. Like, they're both bad, but different kinds of bad, which is mm-hmm. another thing that, uh, is a big part of Robert Jordan's like philosophy, if you will, in the books. So I hope they lean more into that. But yeah. but yeah, the the just the Rena and Egwene scenes were so good from for both ends. Like the Egwene actress did it like amazing, and the Rena actri- actress as well. I think did a really good job there. Okay, let's jump up to episode seven. So I didn't like this one as much. But I feel like, it I'm the like, only one like this is weird. I liked it more than you guys. Well, okay. We can never agree. <laughs> overall, overall, what I liked about this one is I felt like episode six kickstarted a lot of momentum finally for the series. We're six episodes in, there's two left. And I felt like seven, 50% to 60% like continued that momentum. That's what I that's what I really liked about it. Like if you look at most people's plot lines from episode six, they continued in a way that was interesting. Egwene's continued really well. Like you showed her being used and you like she was broken at the end of episode six and she's being used by Rena, and you feel like they're you're like oh what's happening here Rena's all happy with the bond and then you get that killer ending with Rena, i'm gonna kill you like i thought that was great land finally does something and that, that was a big deal <laughs> for me yeah and I then i no, i don't disagree with anything you've said so far that was not my issue with the episode i so, like all I mean, that stuff yeah okay so that's my main positive takeaway from it is Things continued to happen. Tension was raised, and I felt like it that momentum carried. I just thought Swan was weird. Like she was characterized really weird in the Marine yeah. Swan relationship. Did not have enough time. I mean, I know we saw it in the first season, but now it's like being brought back, real kind of rapid fire. And it's supposed to be this like big dramatic thing at the end of the episode. But I'm kind of like, I don't know if I totally buy it. it seems kind of cheesy, hmm. a little forced here um and yeah honestly the only way that i'm okay with the way that swan was acting was if the compulsion theory which is going around is actually true which it could be so i do have to say you have to separate like the way that i'm trying so hard to separate bookmen from showmen i think you have to separate like swan acted in a way in this series that she never would have acted in the books and i think that is really jarring I do. I thought the relationship aspect of it, again, heavy-handed, like you said, and over the top, a little over dramatic. But I thought it was. I thought. I thought that was earned, and like, I maybe not earned is the right word, but I thought it like made sense. Like the tension there from like, oh, you know, they have this relationship, and she swore this oath to like because they love each other, and now the oath mm-hmm. is being used in different ways. The relationship part of that I thought was good. I thought the plotting, like the dis. The decisions the writers made and what would happen in the episode was weird. Like putting, I don't know why they decided to put tension in between them in that way. And like, I think that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, again, if you zoom out, I think the idea, you know, they have this relationship in the past. Great. Now they're forced into this kind of conflict because they don't quite communicate, which is totally, you know, wheel of time 101. Right. So can't complain. Yeah, about that, that makes sense. Yeah, that works. It's just the way, yeah, the way that events unfolded. Yeah. I don't know. It just escalated so quick. Yeah. It's like they they what they said, okay, at the end of this episode, we need this, like, we need this drama. We need to really, yeah, you know, yeah. make this big scene with this montage of their past relationship and this like total betrayal and what's gonna happen. And like, okay, like 
I feel like that could have been achieved, but the way that they laid it out and in the actual episode, I wasn't buying it. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, I, on paper, I think it like, it was like, yeah, this will make sense. And then in execution, it was just, which I think has been typical of a lot of parts of the series so far. Sorry, Josh, go ahead. So yeah, well, kind of moving on past that, but in the same kind of (laughs) storyline, You have nothing. You have nothing to add to possibly redeem no, this. I, I mean, that's this fine. One stuff, Continue. Just yeah. my opinion is that was a little bit clunky. It didn't bother me too much. Um, I thought it was fine, especially if the if the theory about being uh, com- controlled or compelled or uh, yeah, being compelled. If that if that if that's if a that thing, I think that, that that would be really cool. I would. Yeah. 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 I think that makes that work a lot better. Uh, Lauren at Unraveling the Pattern did a really good yeah. little breakdown of what could. And the, his yeah. breakdowns are so good. Like, yeah, shameless plug here. The amount of detail he like breaks down isn't astounding. If you're watching us and you don't watch Lauren, like you are making a mistake. Yeah. Prioritize his videos way before. <laughs> way more. <laughs> way more. We literally do five minutes of prep and then come down and yeah. and and talk to each yeah. other. And yeah, <laughs> so go watch his videos. And he's a really nice guy. He usually responds to. Uh, okay. Um. So, but my other issue is I don't know if the payoff for Moraine being shielded versus stilled was good enough. Um, I did like that that was a resolution to land, gave him something to do. I didn't like the implication, like, could Rand not see it when, uh, when, what's his face? Um, When Loghain could see it? Yeah, like, why could Loghain see it, but Rand couldn't? Could he just? That makes sense. That makes sense in the world. Like, Rand, Rand is like a noob with channeling at this point. Like, he had to embrace the source to see the weaves where Loghain can see them. Even without... though he's still, he can still yeah, see Yeah, even the... though he's still, because okay. yeah, right. he's, uh, to me, that that works. Okay, fair enough. That that was kind of weird to me. How I... Anyway, but yeah, but I think Rand had channeled around. around yeah, 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 he did, but but still like. Just... But if he, if he wasn't looking for it, then he wouldn't have seen yeah. it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, but then also like with Rand, with Lan not even being able to break the, the um not having any information on how to break the shielding yeah and, and like it, it just felt kind of weird you where know? did where did he learn this from like i felt like there was no like he didn't earn it it was just there have been stories of the age of legends the ability to tie <laughs> off a weave it's like dude where was this information like <laughs> where was where yeah. did you get this from <laughs> like first and why, and why did he was at, he was at that little campsite with the statues of the forsaken like he knows what and, and why didn't Varen know about this? It's, yeah, it seems like yeah, it like, seems like when Varen is in yeah. the mix here, that she totally could have been the one that was like, yeah. yeah. I think this is yeah. an, another good example of, of similar to the Swan Moraine drama, where on paper I'm like, okay, I like what they're doing. They're trying to like make Moraine. Although I thought she was going to be this way for much longer. Like I thought it was going to take place of something that happened. Uh, anyways, I, I thought yeah, was, I did yeah, too, yeah. Jake. Yeah, yeah. So. Same. So kind of question like why have this tension here? But I think it works to like, okay, tying off weaves. Like they didn't know about that, even though in the books they did at this point, but that's fine. Like on paper, it's like, this is a good progression, but it just did not like, there is no like proper build towards it or like, it's, I don't know. It's kind of to me, like what they did with the revealing who the dragon reborn was in the first season or like, I can see they were trying to, at least with that one, like drop hints, mm. but it was really you don't know until they info dump everything and then you find out. And that's how this was where it's like, yeah, how could we have known that she was like tied off the weaves? You know what I mean? Well, like, it was enough. There's enough. There's enough th- 
I thought that I mean, we had talked about it on a few different podcasts on if she was shielded or still, and there is kind of evidence both ways for it. For book readers, but if you didn't even know, yeah, if you, if didn't, you didn't even know, know yeah, shielded, but you did know shielding was the thing because, uh, but, but tying it off, like you, you wouldn't have thought that without having read the book. Yeah, true, true. But true. that was that was the first thing book readers thought at the end of episode eight yeah. of last season. Well, that was that was like, yeah, I think that I think we had that conversation. Yeah. Was, so yeah. that's one again another criticism that comes up is. Sometimes it feels like if you there isn't enough information for those that aren't book readers and for those that are book readers that have enough information, things are like changed so drastically that it's like if you're going to change things so much to alienate some of the book readers, you have to make sure the non-book readers can follow along. You know, like I think they're doing a pretty good job of that overall, honestly. I, I think and yeah, and maybe non- just the review. I think my non-book poorly executed. Yeah, yeah, I think my non-book reader. And friends are following along with Aaron pretty well. Yeah, I don't think I that's think much of an issue. If they do the if they do the compulsion twist, there's been more hints about yeah. that than there have been about the shielding versus stilled. Yeah, it almost needs to be yeah. a compulsion twist because otherwise, that'd be really good. That'd be, that'd be really well done. And they they uh one thing I will give them credit for. Um, I criticized, and I don't I don't think I was on an episode for this, but I criticized that when you first see the Shan Chan in this season, they come to this like poor backwater village and it's like it felt like at the time it was like they just didn't have the money for this to happen in a city so they just did it in a village uh-huh. and like it was like like it kind of took you out of continuity or like what is that suspension of disbelief where it's like why would they bring all this to some random village you know they would just send soldiers Jake, to do that no worries i made this criticism so we're covered yeah, yeah. continue but yeah. but i felt like they were able to later justify it by saying you know ishamael sent him there for rant or for parent and that and she kind of got chastised by turok from like what were you doing there uh-huh. you know so i so i think there's hope that this was a compulsion thing like they have redeemed themselves in the past from apparent what seemed to be plot holes so maybe Wonders. they can do that again yeah mm. but the but yeah the like you're saying josh that the not tying felt like didn't work and then and then all of a sudden <laughs> I, I don't think i don't know if it didn't work but it, it wasn't super great it wasn't like a hurrah moment it was like a okay it, it was it uh, made sense but it felt like a deus ex machina it felt like oh okay well, we resolve this now like we're, we're done with moraine not being powerful let's bring yeah. her back yeah okay yeah no i agree with you with the the not tying thing honestly that didn't bother me as much maybe because i was just so consumed with being annoyed with the swan thing and yeah i could i could only hold one thing in my head at a time <laughs> and like i said i like the idea of the like not understanding that you can tie off weaves and then the untying thing i'm like oh maybe that's foreshadowing like the cutting it i felt like should have had more dastardly uh f- um oh, side yeah. effects like there should have been some some like splay yeah. of magical force around it yeah but it gives me hope that maybe we'll see an, an unraveling of a weave oh, that we awesome. see later in the series and in the, in the books. We we have noted here Landfair burning the Fory Gate and, and <laughs> you said it feels like BTS. What is BTS? Like yeah, behind the scenes. scenes. I've I've Oh, like like it wasn't fully polished. Yeah, it felt yeah. like when you're watching it behind the scenes of something and you see, oh, this is how they do the effects. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was it I was felt pretty like that's cheesy. what I was watching. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty yeah. cheesy. I mean, we've already we we probably rant too yeah. much about the a, a, yeah, but a little bit of a meta conversation because we have to go in a few minutes. But like, it, it is funny how everybody was like, 
oh, I want practical effects. I want practical effects. I want practical effects. And then that was all practical effects, right? Like, well, except for when they actually like charged the gate and that blew up, that, that yeah. looked like CGI. Mm-hmm. But like when she was walking through and blowing things up, that was all practical effects. You know, like they they had little explosives yeah. that they were detonating there. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And but but then everybody's like, oh, it didn't look very nice. Like it didn't look, you know, well, so like those people it, who are saying, people who think, the way to improve CGI effects is just have practicals to understand that it's it's not like you can have bad practical effects, and that's what we saw here. <laughs> exactly, but I I feel like I feel like that's just like a thing you see a lot online is people just being like, why don't they just use practical effects for everything? It looks so much better, especially with explosions. You can't always you can't always you can't do a Christopher Nolan and recreate the atomic bomb. And I, so I do. <laughs> yeah, I, because it was all practical. I, yeah. I do think I would rather see bad practical effects than bad CGI. Because I think bad practical mm-hmm. effects, like it doesn't break the suspension yeah. of disbelief. You know, yeah, I think like it doesn't yeah. look like there's now a cartoon on your TV. It looks like yeah. an mm-hmm. underwhelming explosion on your TV. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but ideally, it, it's yeah. just, it's watch just Corridor just... Crew. They'll inform you on how to do great effects, practical and CGI together. How do we get Corridor Crew to work for Wheel of Time? I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. They have a like, C, like VFX artists react to good and bad CGI. Yeah, I, I really I'm want to see it yeah. for the Wheel of Time to be. I there. really want to see it. I really want to see it. <laughs> but uh, and it, it it could happen because one of the uh, what what's that guy's name from Quarter Crew was on Sanderson's uh, one of his book clubs. Oh, was he? Yeah, he's a big Sanderson fan, and he went on oh. one of the oh, Sanderson that's cool. book clubs. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, so he's a he's. I think he's. He said he's read everything in the Cosmo and stuff. So it wouldn't surprise me if he just read Wheel of Time as well. That's ah, cool. good. Okay, Brandon Sanderson's adaptations <laughs> have connections to uh yeah, to to someone who or, yeah to Corridor, Corridor. Crew, who knows every dude. Liam loves them, and I love so much. They love my six year old. He loves watching their <laughs> videos, and I just I find it so funny because I know he's going to find one of like the make such and such R rated, and Mackenzie's going to freak out when he watches it, and I'm gonna just, I, and I'm going to have to act like I'm mad that he watched it, but inside I'm going to be like, good job, Liam. <laughs> They have a Spider-Man one that I mean that could be pretty scarring for a six-year-old to watch. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Oh man. Yeah. We just blast into the wall. I mean, if he's looking <laughs> for arms, through if he's looking through corridor crew videos and he sees a Spider-Man thumbnail, he's gonna click on the Spider-Man thumbnail. Have you guys watched the uh the rock, paper, scissors anime together? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So good. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I, I made Mackenzie sit down and watch all that because she's into art and stuff. And we were talking about yeah. it in our art once. Yeah. The behind the scenes of that is amazing. One one thing, what are you guys looking forward to in episode eight? What are we hoping for? What's gonna make this final episode a success? Someone has been cast as a hero of the horn. I'm excited to see the heroes of the horn dominate the Shan Chan and and the uh white cloaks by uh collateral damage. I I hope that there's some sort of payoff for the horn that somehow they hype it up in the beginning of the episode. Maybe there's like a cold open that focuses on the horn. They need something to, mm. in order to make it uh pay off. That's my hope. And also just that it's good. Like if episode six is the best episode of the season, I'm fine with that. Mm. But I just wanted to end on a high note, even if it's not the best of the season, if it ends on a high note, I feel like I'm just holding my breath a little bit and just want it to be good. I'll say I want to be convinced that the outcome of this conflict actually like has a really big impact in a big world. That's something I've been saying on some of these booktube videos I've been doing. I just feel like the scope is like not quite there. It just looks kind of small. And a lot of the, you know, a lot of the sets, a lot of the things look like, you know, two villages warring against each other. So I want to feel like, you know, and I know that this battle is actually not like two big nations. It's kind of like 
Sean Chen, which are just, you know, kind of partially into Randland at this point, and White Cloaks bring a force in, and, and we it have the Hunnish Bellhorn, but... It was a big uh, yeah, battle. It is a big battle, but it's not like, you know, Nation A and Nation B lined up against each other, and they're just yeah. going to, you know, bring over 100,000 people each, right? It, but it is pretty big, so I want to feel like it's respectively yeah. big. I hope they also with the outcome of this episode, I hope they show like the coolest thing at the end of book two and the beginning of book three is just Rand, like they've hinted in here, like Rand proclaiming himself in the sky and how mm. that affects the rest of the continent where you have people immediately being dragon sworn and you have those like not believing right. and like people who are right. dragon sworn don't even know him and they're causing their own like, like upheavals and politics and like skirmishes and just how that like affects everything mm-hmm. I, I really hope we get to see some sort of that um mm. changing Game the changer. landscape yeah, yeah. all cool. right hey thanks guys see you later